How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. I can take losing. To be in the NBA, like Flip Saunders said, you have to learn how to lose, but how you lose is so much more important. I hated us the other night, really hated us, and that is unacceptable. It really is. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's show is also brought to you by Josh K, today's Patreon sponsor. So if you want to be like Josh, and Josh is a huge supporter of the show, look at patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball for your way to, to get involved and be, a, be a, a true blue supporter of the show, I guess is the best way of putting it. My name is Josh Lloyd, and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be, uh, I almost didn't make the podcast today, I was almost going to call in uh, call in for rest, scheduled rest day, but here I am, we're ready to go. We're going to be talking about a very, very weird Wednesday in the NBA, and we're also going to be previewing, hopefully, somewhat of a calmer Thursday. So, let's get to it. To it. All right, we'll start off, of course, with the monstrous line of the night. And it is Johnny Wall who was uh, who was great. Who was at, at well, he approached? I guess a, a quadruple double is probably the best way you can put the performance from John Wall. Almost had a quintuple double if you include turnovers. Twenty five points, six rebounds, ten assists, seven steals. He went nine of nineteen from the field. He was seven of eight from the free throw line. He is the number one ranked player over the last two weeks in eight category formats, averaging twenty seven four and ten with three steals on forty eight and eighty five. That is ludicrous. He's a top 10 player over the course of the season, and you could have got him in the third round in some situations at the end of the second round, and I completely understand why that was the case, the concern with his knee. But as soon as they said that he was ready to go and was playing in preseason, I'm always a big John Wall fan, and I don't understand why he always slips into the second round. In a normal situation, I grab him around the 9 to 12 mark in most leagues. I didn't this year just because of the other talent there and the uncertainty I had when I did a lot of drafts with Wall with his knee when they were saying, we don't know when he's going to be back. That worried me a little bit. I grabbed him in a dynasty league at, at that pick, at pick 9. And um, look, he's just doing everything that needs to be done. It's helping that the bench is absolutely shitful in Washington. So he's having to play a ton of minutes, but his production has been tremendous. And you're really happy with the increased three-point production, which over the last two years has been awesome. 1.3, and it's not great, but it, it is considering what Wall had given you in the past. 1.3 triples this season. And the 48% shooting over the last two weeks has been phenomenal as well. Plus getting to the line 6.6 times as opposed to under five for each of the last three years, is a huge boon, especially when you shoot 83% from the line. So Wall has been amazing, and of course, you know, getting almost double-digit assists and almost two-and-a-half steals is uh, is massive as well, and he has, been, he has been incredible. The Wizards team hasn't been incredible, but for our purposes, for his fantasy value, it has obviously been awesome. So Johnny Wall gets the monstrous line of the night. The waiver wire line of the night, Austin Rivers, that game, the Clippers-Magic game, there was a lot of weird shit going on. Now, I will, I have gone on record, and you've heard me on this podcast before say it, that whenever Austin Rivers gets a chance to start, usually in place of Chris Ball, but whenever he gets a chance to start, big numbers seem to come. And he started this game in place of Luke Marmute, and the big numbers came. 25 points for Rivers, 7 triples, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 9 of 12 shooting, and he has been really impressive. In fact, he is almost a top 100 player over the last two weeks, getting 25 minutes a night. He's probably not going to keep at that level, shooting 50% and 52% from three. But on the year, he's a 41% three-point shooter on three attempts a game, so it's not a tiny sample size. He has taken 75 threes and hitting 41% of them. It's not massive, but it's not tiny. 
um, and really sort of pushing himself into this role where he'll play some backup point, but he'll play the two. He can play the three as well, and that's exactly what he's doing. So if this Marmute injury persists, you have to look at Rivers as a short-term 12-team streaming option. Otherwise, he's more a 14 to 16-team league guy. If you look at his seasonal numbers, they're not fantastic, but he has been picking it up really of late, especially, I guess it's helped because he's shooting 82% from the line over the last two weeks, as opposed to 65% during the season, and his field goal percentage is well up as well. But in a 14-team league, he's definitely worth a short-term ad, and you, you could make that argument in a 12-team situation just with the uncertainty with Luke Marmute. But today's output, including the seven triples, is clearly... It's clearly not a sustainable situation. This does make 11 triples, though, that Rivers has drained in the last two games, which is clearly a uh, a huge amount. In the four previous games to that, he'd hit four. So it's a, it's a little bit abnormal. But still, if you played him in DFS, congratulations. If you own him, congratulations. When he gets these chances, numbers generally do come. And this this is held true this season. It's held true... When he's had to replace Chris Paul in the playoffs against the Rockets, he was great. Whenever he gets this chance, he his play style may, may not be appealing. Um, his on-court advance numbers may never be appealing. But in terms of just raw fantasy stats, when he's given that opportunity, the numbers come. And they, uh, they definitely came here today. So a huge performance from Austin Rivers. Of course, if you want to hear more about Austin Rivers, you can listen to DJ Foster, the host of Locked On Clippers, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have a podcast for your team every day, one podcast for each of the 30 NBA teams, as well as a weekly Locked On NBA podcast with David Locke. So DJ will have all the info on the situation with Luke Marmute, what they do with Austin Rivers moving forward, how this uh, situation with him and Ray Felton and Chris Paul, the three-guard lineup, which they'll use on JJ Redick in there as well, obviously, and how all that situation's breaking down and what this current improvement from Austin is uh, is based on. So listen to DJ Foster, but check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network as well, where you can find whatever your favorite team is. You can find a podcast hosted by a really knowledgeable host. Everyone across the network is fantastic. You can listen to those guys, whether they're beat reporters, whether they're bloggers, whether they're experienced podcasters, numerous people hosting these podcasts. And all the shows are great, and I find myself listening to them all the time, and I do suggest that you go and subscribe and listen to those ones as well. Let's talk Young Gun of the Night. Miles Turner, he's had a few of these. Only the 11 points for Miles, but uh, when you get seven rebounds, five blocks, and a steal, you are... I guess I guess you can forgive him for the the low output in uh, in points which he uh, which he had. He was five of thirteen from the field, and he, Paul George, and Jeffy Teague all com- well not combined. They all individually shot under forty percent from the field. So that was a little bit of a, a disappointment. But when he gets these block numbers, and we've talked about his numbers this season, he can be a, a real threat. He does have issues defensively. He got torched by Hassan Whiteside, and that's been a case a lot of the time when there's a big center going against him, they can tend to put up numbers against him, but you're getting nice fantasy stats, and he is going to be, at some point in his career, a top a top 15 guy, and it could come as early as, you know, maybe not next year, but maybe the year after. He needs to expand his offensive game and, and get a few more shot attempts, but even in this one, he took the second most shot attempts behind George, had 13 shots and only hit five of them, and he's going to establish himself as that second option um, yeah, I, I think for the rest of this season, he could be that guy. It'll be him and Teague that sort of alternate it, but he will be in that in that zone, and as he becomes better, they'll go to him more. The blocks will still come, the boards will still come, and you get his offensive output coming, plus the three-pointers where he missed all three of those today. So obviously a, a huge performance from Miles Turner to get himself the young gun of the night. The dud of the night is Julius Randle. I'll go through his numbers. Six points, 10 rebounds, one assist, two of eight shooting, and two of five from the line. Earlier this season, I offered an apology to Julius Randle. I offered an apology to Julius Randle supporters and said, you know what? I I am wrong because I am not, I, I was not a big Julius Randle fan. I thought this guy is not good. I don't think he's a quality starter on a good team. I was less than impressed with anything that he did in his or what ended up being basically his rookie season. And nothing that he was doing was looking like it was going to be great for fantasy. And then the start of the season came, and uh, Luke Walton was using him in different ways, and his efficiency was up, he was passing the ball, 
He was doing a few more things and he looked much improved. And I was, I said, look, okay, I, I got it wrong. I didn't think that he was going to become this guy. Well, it turns out maybe I was a little bit hasty in issuing that apology because he has been dreadful recently. He's still playing 31 minutes a game over the last two weeks, but he's ranked 245th in that time because his shooting is is horrendous. He's 41% from the field, which is not ideal. He hasn't hit a three in the last two weeks. He's shooting 60% from the free throw line, averaging 10.5 points, 9 rebounds. Now, he's always going to be a good rebounder, but no, the defensive stats just aren't there. He's had one block shot in that time. He's had half a steal, and even on the over the season, he's at 0.7 and 0.4 steals and blocks, respectively. His assist numbers have dipped from 3.2 on the year down to two a game. And which one's the Julius, the real Julius Randle, the one we saw for 15 games to start the year, or the one we've seen over the last two weeks and basically the entirety of last season? He is still young. He has still got development to come. And I think that in the end, I probably will be end up proven wrong, saying that he is a decent player. I don't think he's a star. I absolutely don't think he's a star. And he has been really horrible with some of his decision-making. Um, some of his shot selection has not been ideal. He just... He just, it feels like he just doesn't possess the, the necessary basketball IQ at times, just making rushed moves, rushed, rushed decisions, rushed shots, rushed passes, and, and looks horrible. What do you do with him? You don't do anything with him at this point. You, you hold on to him and you see how this goes. But obviously, if this trend continues, then there's no way you're holding a player ranked outside the top 240 in 12 team leagues. If this is an ongoing thing, it probably won't be. We'll see some of the shooting. You bounce back up. He is at 48% on the season and 41% the last two weeks. So he's been shooting the ball well until recently. But over the course of the year, he's a 17% three-point shooter. Like That's horrible. That's He's not a good shooter. 68% from the line. He's not a good shooter. And a lot, some of the early shots that he was making were very, very easy situations. Poor defense. A lot of the ones that I saw him making, and go back and watch the video, just where are these guys? Why is there no one on him? Um... And again, the decision-making is a real real worry. He's almost at three turnovers a game this year, which is up from 1.8 last season. So making some worse decisions than what he made last season. So I am really concerned about Julius Randle. A lot of the concerns that I had last season and in the preseason and the offseason are, are rearing their head. And maybe that apology I issued him was a little bit a little bit hasty. But I'll, I'll, he, he has shown signs of being able to be better. So let's uh, let's stick with that. And go from there, but it it has not been a uh, a good run from uh, from Julius Randle. Now, recently, I've had a few people mention to me about birthday bumps. So you thought, you know what? Let's start tracking it, because today we had two players who played on their birthday, Nick Batum and Robert Covington, and they both put up monster lines. Again, I have gone back and researched this, and there is no real statistical evidence to show that players playing on their birthday get a big bump in production. But this is a. We had Eric Bledsoe last week. We had Nick Batum and Robert Covington today putting up big games on their birthday. So, what I'm going to do, and I hope I remember to do this every day, is look and say, okay, who's got their birthday coming up? And then look back at the day before, whose birthday was it on that day, and see how they actually perform, which is probably more useful for DFS, but it is worth noting. And today, Batum and Covington put up huge, huge nights. So, that's uh, that's going to be something to, to monitor. There is no one playing tomorrow that is that is their birthday. It is Jelly Lokafor's birthday. I checked that out, but the Sixers aren't playing, so we're not going to get a, a chance to uh, to see whether that actually comes true there or not. But that is a, it is definitely something that's, um, that's interesting moving forward. But again, I have checked it before, and it didn't seem to have any correlation. Let's see how it, uh, let's see how it goes this time. All right, let's move into these games now and talk about them in more detail. Toronto and Philadelphia was the first game. Bebe was ruled out for the um ruled out for the uh for the Raptors. So Jonas Valanciunas played 34 minutes, 17 and 10 for Jonas with two steals and a block. He was efficient. He was five of five from the line. He was six of eleven from the field, putting up really really good numbers. Which is you know what what we expect when he gets those minutes. The problem is he just doesn't get those minutes often enough. And uh, you would love to see this happen more often, but when it happens, you, uh, you you take it. Kyle Lowry, 20 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, and 5 triples. And this was a game that the Raptors had in hand very early, and then the Sixers started coming back. DeMar DeRozan only played 30. 
he had 31 points on 18 shots, so it was ridiculously good. But they sort of said, all right, Damar, your uh, your night is done. Do you want to just take a seat and yeah, not play the rest of the game? And then the Sixers started coming back. So he didn't come back into the game, and, and the Raptors yeah, got got through it. It wasn't a great night for Damari Carroll. Under 20 minutes for Carroll, 10-3 and two with ten and three with two triples. So a good performance. Well, actually, not well, a good performance in limited minutes. You prefer him to get more minutes. I still do think that you own him as much as I don't really love him as a player. While Norm Powell was great defensively, Norm, he had two steals and two blocks in 21 minutes. Corey Joseph got the extra run with DeMar resting 13-5-7 for Joseph in his 29 minutes. It's just more of a deep league guy. There's not really much value in uh, in 12-team formats. For the Sixers, they welcome back Spanish chocolate Sergio Rodriguez and Jaleel, oh, not Jaleel Okafor, Joel Embiid, and they put Jaleel Okafor into the starting lineup. He started alongside Joel Embiid, and he was actually pretty good, Okafor. 17 points, just the four boards and two blocks. The two blocks is great, the points is great, but he is still horrible on defense. His rebounding is really subpar. If they're going to run with this situation, which it looks like they're going to do, and give both of these guys, you know, 28 and 30 minutes apiece and beat an Okafor, then Okafor is going to have value. But this was a game where Nerland's Noel wasn't around. So we don't know how Noel is going to be incorporated into that mix. So that makes it a little bit, not questionable, but I guess we just have to see exactly how that all, um, how that all pans out. But Okafor, you know, you're going to get points. You're going to get high fuel goal percentage. Um, below average rebounds, not great blocks normally. He's still a borderline guy, but it was a nice night. Embiid struggled 9-6-5, had a steal, had two blocks on uh, three of six shooting, but that's still not a horrible night for a night where it wasn't wasn't his best. And Bob Carver, who I touched on earlier, had 26-12 and 12 with three triples. He's owned in under 60% of Yahoo leagues. That needs to change immediately. 16 points for Gerald Henderson in 25 minutes. He didn't do much else. It was a hot shooting night for Henderson. Don't really buy too much into him at all. While Spanish Chocolate had 16 points and 5 assists, and he remains someone that is ownable until Jared Bayless returns. Ursan Ilias over on the bench, only the 23 minutes. 12-7 and 7 for Ursan. Let's see how this pans out, but with Noel to add back to that mix, it doesn't look promising for his rest-of-season outlook. And the same for Dario Saric, who played just 13 minutes and went 2-6. and six. It goes without saying that Saric has no place in a 12-team league, and he really hasn't as a long-term prospect for a while. Uh, and Ilya Sova, while he's been great, let's see exactly how this all pans out for him moving forward. All right, let's talk Charlotte and Washington. Nick Batum, as, as I referenced, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 3 triples. That is a great night. And Kemba Walker sort of bounced back, I guess you could say. 36 minutes, 17, 6, and 9. The Hornets lost. They almost had a 3 or 2 threes at the end. You rim out right on the on the buzzer to send it to overtime. Cody Zeller continues his assault on just playing really good basketball. 30 minutes for Zeller, 18 points, two blocks, only the two boards, which is disappointing, but six of seven from the field, six of eight from the line, which had been suppressing his ranking number, and he is on the way up, and he needs he's owned in 43% of leagues. Way, way too low. Marvin Williams is terrible. That's... That's obvious at this point. Four and four in 26 minutes for Marv. He's he's not going to shoot 35% moving forward, so that will get better. But will it be in time for him to save his role? Because Frank Kaminsky can eat into his minutes because he only played 26 here. Now, Kaminsky wasn't awesome, but he had 10 and four, Kaminsky. And the way Marco Ballinelli's playing is it's enabling them to push Michael Kidd-Gilchrist to the four a little bit as well. Now, Ballinelli had 16 points with four triples in 22 minutes, and that's enabling them to have other options at the four. Neither Kid Gilchrist, Balinelli, Kaminsky, or Williams are must-own 12-team league guys, in my opinion. You can make a case for all of them, but I think you make the case that Kaminsky is is got the potential to trend up, and Williams has the potential to trend down. A nice Roy Hibbert game, three blocks with six boards in 18 minutes, but don't make too much of that. Good game from Marcin Gortat on the Washington side, 16-12 and 12 with two steals and a block. You're probably sick of me saying this, that his role is going to diminish, but it will. And Otto Porter, what a, the, the freeze Otto Porter out campaign, how did that track? Well, he took nine shots, which is less than Brad Beal, which is less than Gortat, which is less than John Wall, which is less than uh, new starter Kelly Oubre. So again, just no shots for Otto. Hit five of them, so converted at 56% and went 10-5 and five with a steal and two blocks. So still nice numbers, but he just feels like he's never going to approach those early season numbers that he would um, that he was uh, that he was getting to early on. I mentioned Ubre; He started in place of Markeith Morris 
and played 40 minutes, 15 and 6 with two steals and a three. Now, Markeith wasn't demoted. He was out with a foot issue. We don't know what the problem is exactly with Markeith's foot, whether it's going to keep him out any time. But Ubre had been playing 25-plus off the bench anyway and was an intriguing 12-team pickup. And while, while Markeith's hurt, grab him and let's just see where this goes because it was a nice performance from Ubre. Brady, Brady Beal had 20 points, had nine assists, but it wasn't an efficient night for Brattles in his 37 minutes. And the uh, the clock to breakdown, I guess, continues for, for Beal. Indiana and Miami. Thad Young, 39 minutes for Thad after a really nice game the other day. Six points on six shots. This is what we've seen from him most of the season. He had seven boards. He had three steals, which has always been his specialty, but he touches the ball less than Otto Porter. It, it's it, He is okay to own in certain situations, but far from a must-own guy. Rod Stuckey has had two chances now to, to take minutes away from Monte Ellis with Ellis out and got hurt on both of them. He suffered hamstring soreness after going 10-5-3 and in 22 minutes after having a knee contusion the last time out. So it's going to be um, interesting to see, I guess, what the, what happens with him moving forward. But he would he would have been a nice short-term at if he could stay healthy, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Paulie George, 22-7-3 with four triples. Not uh, not a good night there. Well, Jeff Teague went 10-3-5 with two steals on three of nine shooting. So some, uh, I guess, some disappointing performances from the paces there. Now, I touched on this the other day as well. Glenn Robinson the third starting in place of Alice. This is not the same as when he started in place of Paul George. He just doesn't touch the ball. Six and five in 25 minutes, and there's no reason to pick him up anywhere. For the Heat, Hassan Whiteside bounced back in a big way, 26-22 and 22 with two blocks. The Free throw percentage looks like it's going to be a real pain in the ass for all all this season. So not sure how he managed to correct it for three months and then and then can't do it again. But that's sort of where we're at. And the Heat are getting their players back. They're only missing Dion Waiters now. And of course, Chris Bosch. Justice Winslow returned. He played 21 minutes off the bench. He had uh, two points, two rebounds, two assists. I don't think his ceiling is all that high. So he's not a must-grab guy. I think he, he's got a place on a 12-team league. But he's far from being a, a must-add sort of guy. I would still be holding on to Tyler Johnson, who had 15, 5, and 3, and uh, and 4 blocks, which don't expect that too often. And I'd still be holding on to James Johnson, who only played the 25 minutes, but had 14, 3, and 6, continues to produce, and is the best big out of Josh Richardson, Luke Babbitt, who hasn't played the last two games despite being healthy, um, Joshy McRoberts, Willie Reed. I can see Johnson playing the 4 and the backup 5 for this team when everyone's ready to go. Wayne Ellington and Scooter Magruder continue to start. 21 minutes for Allington and 18 for Magruder. So neither of those guys have any use really moving forward. Winslow's minutes are going to bump up. Joshy Richardson's are already up to 30. Tyler Johnson played 33. And Dion Waiters is going to come back into the mix. So any short-term value that Allington or, or Magruder had is uh, is clearly out the window. Dragic had a decent night, 11, 5, and 6. But when you shoot 4 of 15, it makes it hard to have a, a fantastic performance. The Clippers and the Magic... DeAndre Jordan, 22-12 and 12 with three blocks. A huge night for him. 16-3-10 for Chrissy Paul. A nice night for him. Blakey Griffin had 23-7-3. A nice night for him. And as per usual, not much else from the rest of the team. JJ Redick had 10 points. He is owned in 83% of leagues. I'm a little bit surprised it's that high. He has been up and down. He had a slow start. He had a strong patch. He's tailed off a little bit. He probably should still be owned, but he provides basically nothing apart from threes and elite free throws on limited attempts. And that's sort of where we are with him in his career at this point. Onto the magic, Aaron Gordon with a career-high 33 points in 40 minutes. He hit four triples. He had seven rebounds. He had two assists. So the question everywhere is, do I add Aaron Gordon? Is he a must-add Look, his, his upside is most likely higher than anybody that's available on your waiver wire. So you'd have to look at it and say, probably. I, I would probably recommend adding adding Aaron Gordon. But this was a situation with no Nick Vucevic, so that allowed him extra minutes at the four, and Serge Ibaka got himself into early foul trouble. Now, Ibaka ended with 31 minutes, had 8-8, eight and eight, but shot the ball poorly. And this was a, clearly a good game from Gordon. But it was also a really good game from Jeff Green, who had 19-3-2 with four triples and two steals going 7 of 11 from the field. So make of that what you will. And Green is not an appealing guy by any stretch, but in 14-team leagues, you have to own Jeff Green at this point because he's putting up solid numbers. In a 12-team league, I can understand owning Green. There's not much upside there, and I would rather grab Gordon. And is this the game that kickstarts it for him? You'd probably want to be on him earlier than, than late than miss out, so go and grab Gordo, but... 
33 points in 40 minutes, it should go without saying that that's not something that you should be expecting much of going forward. Evan Fournier is handling the ball a lot more now, now that Alfred Payton is coming off the bench. 24 points, two triples, and eight assists for Fournier. And Alfred Payton, this was one chance or one time where he didn't play more minutes than DJ Augustine. 26 minutes for Payton, but still had nine points, three rebounds, nine assists, two steals, one block, and hit a triple, and is still having value despite the limited role. Augustine played 30 minutes, but he has been useless. Three points with three assists for DJ, while Jody Meeks suffered a, not a great performance after a nice 20-pointer the last time out. Zero points for him. Bismack Biombo, the one of seven from the free-throw line, is abysmal. Ended almost with a double-double, nine and 12. No blocks, but you know the story with him. Rebounds, blocks, literally that that is it. He provides nothing else. The next game we'll take a look at, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. D'Angelo Russell was playing. He started, dealt with some foul trouble. Uh, it didn't really matter because he was going to be limited with a restriction anyway. 23 minutes for Russell. 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, and 2 triples on 2 of 10 shooting. Not not a great night for him. But the return of, of D'Angelo and Uncle P is limiting what Lou Williams can do. And this, this re- reduction in production... Didn't mean to, to rhyme that, but this reduction in Lou Williams' form it was going to come. I just didn't know when it was going to come because he just continued to be ridiculous. Now he's played just 24 minutes in this game. Still had 16 points. That's fine. But on 5 of 12 shooting, the assist numbers are down. Two assists here and two steals. So still a good number from Lou. But the fact that his minutes have been 24 and 25 in the two games since Russell and Young have been back should give you an indication of what we expect from Lou moving forward. There's nothing you can do. You won't be able to sell him based on what he was doing before. And there's no reason in dropping him. If for some reason someone thinks, you know what, Lou Williams is going to remain a top 40 guy, then of course, get rid of him. But for now, we just hold on and get some of that regression coming back. Uncle P had 14 points with three triples in his 30 minutes, even added a steal and a block as an extra bonus, which is not something he usually does. He's in that Marco Bellinelli class to me as that borderline 12 team league sort of player. Um, but, you know, to even consider Nick Young as a 12 team league guy at this point is, uh, is pretty amazing to me. Lou Deng. 32 minutes, the minutes are definitely up. The production is up from Deng. 11, 8, and 2 with a triple one. Absolutely in 14-team conversation now. Well, Tim Mozgov had a huge game. 33 minutes for Mozgov, 12 and 13 with a steal and a block. Clearly not the uh, not the norm. Well, Brandon Ingram, please don't be holding him unless, again, you're just waiting until February in a weekly or a roto-type league. That's it. Larry Nance, I think I mentioned it yesterday. He, he can always go out and have these nights where he has five blocks. Well, he didn't quite do that, but he had three blocks. He had a steal and he hit all three of his shots and was superior to Julius Randle, something that I did argue about in the preseason a lot. For Brooklyn, Jeremy Lin, unfortunately, was out. He had a back issue, which is never good when you're coming back from a hamstring problem to have a, to have an issue with your back. Let's see how long this keeps him out, if it keeps him out at all. But given the way they've been so careful with the injuries, you would have to think that Lin is going to miss some extra time. That meant we get more Sean Kilpatrick, 22-4-5 and five for Kilpatrick with three triples in his 31 minutes. While Boyan Bogdanovich bounced back from a poor performance, having 23 points with three triples in 29 minutes. Isaiah Whitehead, he got himself another start, 8-2-2 two, and two in 24 minutes, but there's no real reason to own him. And the interesting thing, I think, with the guard rotation is that Karis Levert has supplanted Randy Foy. Now, Levert only played the 11 minutes, 3-4-2 and two with a steal, but I'm telling you, this guy is going to be really, really good. He's going to be a producer, and you know, if by the end of the year, he could easily be our producing, say, Brandon Ingram. So he is, he is look, who's ahead of him? Kilpatrick, Bogdanovich, Harris, like these aren't great players that if Levert is proving himself, you know, the development for him could become a priority. So he is someone to have a look at if uh, if he's around or if, and if you've got that ability to sit someone, very deep benches, weekly changes, rotisserie type of thing, probably not a 12-team type of guy, but definitely got some 14-team upside. Trev Booker had 18 boards in an otherwise quiet performance, and Brookie Lopez, 20-7 and seven in his 33 minutes. Not a great night in terms of shooting 8 of 19 for Lopez and only 3 of 5 from the line. Okay, let's... Uh, oh, Justin Hamilton, who was probable to play with, a, with that migraine, he didn't actually get into the game. So we don't know if that was still the migraine causing the issue or if it was just a, a coach's decision at this point. Let's look at the Sacramento Kings and the Houston Rockets. Well, with Rudy Gay out, with Ben McLemore out, DeMarcus Cousins was out as well with a scheduled rest. So this was always going to be ugly, and it was ugly. 
Garrett Temple started and scored 20 points. He hit five triples. He had four assists. And this is what Temple does. He'll have these games or this run where he shoots at an unbelievable rate, 54% in this game, and makes you think, oh, I need to own Garrett Temple. And then he'll have streaks where he scores three points a game on 24% shooting. He does great stuff defensively. But that doesn't necessarily always mean it translates into fantasy. But the minutes for him are stable. He's getting 26 to 27 a night. And he is looking like a top 100 guy recently. So absolutely, you can look at Garrett Temple and think, let's see how this goes short term. With Cousins out, Anthony Tolliver started. He had a great game, 12 and 10 with two steals and two blocks. He'd been basically out of the rotation prior to that, so don't read too much into this one. While Costa Kufos normally plays well with Cousins out, and he did 10 and 7 with two blocks for him as well. Omri Caspi had an opportunity, only played the 27 minutes, and they were able to spread their minutes all over the place. He had 10 and 5 with Caspi with a triple, but 4 of 12 shooting sunk his night. And uh, even with the injuries, Aaron Aflalo played 8 minutes. That should give you an example or an understanding of how poor he is. Malachi Richardson played 12 and had 7 points in this one. Darren Collison didn't really take on the added usage and, and use it to his advantage, just the 7 points on 10 shots, but did have 9 assists and 4 rebounds. Onto the, the Rockets, they didn't need to go balls out. Jim Harden still had a triple-double in less than 30 minutes. 15, 11, and 14 for Harden with three triples in a steal. And my boy, Sammy Decker, had 19 and 7 with two triples. 8 of 10 shooting is is crazy, but he is uh, he's a really good player. Ryan Anderson showed that those Sacramento power forwards are pretty horrible at guarding. 22 and 6 with four triples for Anderson. This was always looking like a decent spot for him. And Trev Ariza had 17, including five triples and three steals. While Pat Bev, another seven assists for Beverly. He has been great this year. Uh, clearly a must-own player. 10 and 4 with two triples for Beverly. I hate what's happening with Clint Capella. 18 minutes, 14 points. One steal, one block. It's not like he's playing poorly. He was 7 of 10 from the field, but they're running a three-center rotation, getting Montrez Harrell and Nene out there. Now, Nene, there's no reason to play these guys over Capella. I don't care what, what anyone really says. Capella is clearly the best option. He works the best with James Harden. He's the best for this team's defense. If, if he gets dropped in my league and I'm okay with a free throw hit, I'm grabbing him immediately. If I own him, I'm not doing anything panicky. I think it will correct, but it is a little bit troubling that it, he had low minutes early, played his well into a big role, and then D'Antoni said, nah, let's get Montrez Harrell in here for 15 minutes a night. Eric Gordon's run of hitting a ridiculous amount of threes continued. Another three triples for him, nine points, eight assists, and two blocks for Gordon. And that's really all there is to talk about with this game. It was a blowout that was over real early. Now, the next game is not much to talk about here. It is... The Cleveland Cavaliers and the Memphis Grizzlies, of course. The Cavs were without LeBron, Kevin Love, and Kyrie. So we had a different starting lineup to what they announced yesterday, which is always handy. Like, why announce something and then friggin' change it the next day? But anyway, just don't announce it. No one was expecting them to announce it yesterday, but they did, and then changed everything up. So they started Mike Dunleavy, who had been a DNP CD the last two games. He started, and we had Channing Fry start, while James Jones and... Who was the other one that was uh, Richard Jefferson came off the bench. They were the guys that... I'm oh, sorry, not Richard Jefferson. Iman Shumpert, they came off the bench. This game was such a nightmare that everyone basically got 20 minutes. DeAndre Liggins played 25 and went 10-3 and three with two steals. Kay Felder got 23 minutes, 14-3-4 and four with two steals. James Jones continues to hit every three that he takes, basically 15 points in 25 minutes. So any DFS value in this game was, was shot to pieces with the fact that every player played 20 minutes. And... Just a newsflash, J.R. Smith is terrible. 4 of 15 for Smith in 25 minutes for 8 points. He had one good game, and that was yesterday. And, yeah, back to being shit again. No reason to own J.R. in 12. This was always a great option to use him in, in DFS, but it clearly didn't work out that way with the way that Tyrone Liu ran things. Interestingly to me that Richard Jefferson played under 10 minutes, the only player that played to get under 10 minutes, um, especially when he'd been such a big part of things earlier on and such a huge part of their playoff run last season. Marcus Ole was back for the Grizzlies, 17 and 11 with three triples for him. That moved Zebo back to the bench and he played just the 19 minutes and that is the perils of owning Zach Randolph is that he's, uh, he's on the bench and he, he won't... Um, He's just got a cap on what he can do. Jermichael Green is suffering. He was great while Zebo was out, but 25 minutes for Green, 3, 7, and 2. And this is what was happening before Zebo had to take uh, personal leave. The Green was really struggling, and it is happening again. So let's just keep an eye on Green, but my leash for him is fairly short. After it seemed like Andy Harrison had the 
grasp on the job at point guard firmly. He got himself into significant foul trouble, fouling out in under 20 minutes, had two points, and that meant Tone Douglas played 28 minutes. 14, 6, and 5 for Tone, two steals, two triples. A huge night. I'm not overreacting to this. Harrison's a borderline ownable guy anyway. Douglas's value is going to disappear entirely in a week or two when Mike Conley returns, fingers crossed. And this was just most likely a um, a situational issue based on the fouls. Troy Daniels back from the dead had 20 points, but still just played the 20 minutes. I'm not buying into that or getting excited about that. And uh, we still had no, uh, not we still, we, uh, Deontay Davis missed with that foot issue, which they think is an issue with plantar fasciitis. Interestingly, that Tony Allen played 33 minutes on a back-to-back. 16 and 8 for Allen with three steals and a block just continues to get steals and actually took 17 shots, the most on the team, with the next highest being Daniels at 13. He is a guy that you want to own, Allen, and it's, it's a weird thing to say at this point, but he's doing so much for this team that he's putting up numbers that are really, really useful. Let's talk Detroit and Dallas. Not a great, uh, not a great game. In general, John Lua put up 19 and 5, had a steal and a block on 8 of 9 shooting, which is obviously ridiculous. How, what do we do with Lua? He's got this value where he's sort of sitting inside the top 120, but I just don't think his upside's much higher than that. So in a 14 team league, of course, in a 12 team league, yeah, but I'd be more thinking that he is going to be your worst player. And I'd rather be using that spot to, hey, let's take a flyer on Aaron Gordon. Let's grab a guy like Omri Caspi. Let's see how this pans out. Whereas when you get closer to the playoffs, and in the playoffs, a steady producer like John Lua can be way more useful in that sense. Aaron Baines had almost a double-double in 20 minutes, 8 and 10 for Bainesy, while Drummond only the three points and took three shots. He had nine boards in the first quarter, finished with 17, but overall a disappointing performance from Andre Drummond. No other stats apart from three points and seven rebounds. Reggie Jackson, this is more of the Reggie Jackson we'd hope for. 20 points with six assists in 30 minutes, but don't get excited for him to get more minutes than this. With Ishmith proving terrible but capable, if that makes any sense, Jackson will likely stick with a with a role around 30 to 31 minutes. He's not getting 34 minutes. He's not getting 33 minutes. That's not how Stan Van Gundy rolls. So the 30 minutes here is probably what he's going to stick with. The other interesting thing here is Stan Johnson will replace Darren Hilliard in the rotation. He was much better than him when Contavious Caldwell Pope missed the last game. Only played 15 minutes, Stan, but had seven points and hit a three. And the fact that he's back in the rotation means that things are starting to move up. Now, it wasn't spectacular enough where you still can't buy low in a dynasty. And I would definitely be recommending trying to do that. But it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out for him. Obviously, if you're still holding on to Ish Smith, I wouldn't. Five, four, and six, but he played just the 18 minutes, and that's going to be his role moving forward. Contavious Kowal Pope also rolled his ankle with about 30 seconds left. Let's see if that's uh, serious. It doesn't appear to be, but we don't have any news at this point. On to the Mavericks. Salah Mejri was unable to take his place for the remainder of this game with an ankle problem, but he was great before that. 27 minutes for Mejri, 4 and 8, but defensively is where it gets done with him. Two steals and three blocks. He was the guy to me that I wanted when Bogut went down, if you're looking for defensive numbers, and he remains that guy. Now, foul trouble will limit him at times, and this ankle problem could be an issue, but if he was ready to go, there's really no reason to own Dwight Powell. He played under 20 minutes here, Powell, nine points with two assists, one board and a steal. That's two games in a row with just one rebound for a guy who could be your center. That's not ideal. He might be forced into big minutes, but Carlisle does not um, is, does not trust him, so we could also see some A.J. Hammonds getting out there and playing some center as well. So your Powell, if Measure is fine, I don't think there's any reason to own Powell in standard leagues. If Measure is out, you can own him and see where it goes, and deeper league guys will want to grab A.J. Hammonds. The pencil had 19 and 5 with a couple of steals. Whenever you get a couple of steals out of Harrison Barnes, it's a bonus. Well, Darren Williams had 16, 3, and 5. The uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, I had someone ask me today, you know, what's up with Dor- Dorian Finney-Smith? And my answer is, uh, he's just not that good. This is this is just what we should expect from him. Eight and five with two triples and a steal. The last four games had been brilliant prior to this one, but it was just it just felt completely unsustainable, and that's why when you look at you know, these performances, what could work out, what could happen, and what might not. Now he's been much better than anticipated, much better defensively, but to expect the sort of numbers that he was putting up, I think was probably a little bit fanciful, but. You, know, you could, you could, if you grabbed him, no, no problem to just keep holding. Like there's, 
with the Dirk Nowitzki situation, we're at the situation where the where the questions coming out saying, "Do you think that Dirk will play again this season?" and it's and it's not shot down as being ridiculous. So that that's a real concern. It's like, oh yeah, I think he'll be back. I th- yeah, I do think we'll be, he'll be back. So that's that's where we're at with Dirk, which is a little bit concerning. Obviously, Seth Curry has no reason to be owned either. He played 23 minutes with seven points, and with JJ Barea coming back soon, his reason to be owned is going to be lower. Let's talk OKC in Utah. Russell Westbrook, over the last two weeks in eight category leagues, is ranked 25th. He is struggling. He is brutalizing your percentages. 27, 6, and 5 here for Westbrook. So that's it's not a bad night. Two triples, but when he goes 7 of 25 from the field, that's not ideal. Now, 11 from 13 from the line is good, but surely when you drafted Westbrook, you knew that you were going to be in a punt field goal percentage situation. And if you didn't know that, then I don't think you'll listen to this podcast much in the, in the preseason, or you were just being hopeful. He, It's like the pressure is getting too much for him in terms of um, opposition attention, and it's really affecting what he can do. And that's it's causing some issues with him and with the play of the team. It doesn't help that Victor Oladipo is out again, so Jeremy Grant started, and he provides nothing. Seven points in 22 minutes for Grant, while Samaje Kristen had seven points in his 23 minutes. So they're basically splitting Victor Oladipo's role and giving some extra run to Kyle Singler and Alex Abrines as well. Scoreless night from Andre Robertson in his 32 minutes. He's fine for his defensive numbers, but obviously you're not expecting points. While Steve Adams had 10 and 5 with a couple of blocks, and Ennis Cantor dropped 19 points in 18 minutes against his former team. The Jazz was super impressive here. A 20 point victory against the Thunder is great. Rudy Gobert, 12 and 12 with two steals and three blocks, hit all five of his shots. Only took five shots, but he still hit all of them and has been ridiculously good this year. The Jazz are getting closer to full health, only missing George Hill now because Derek Favors returned. He only played 13 off the bench. Favors, 4-4 four and four with a steal and a block, and didn't really or didn't play at all next to Rudy Gobert. That will obviously come. Any value that you may have thought that Trey Lyles had or Boris Diaw had is, is in the tatters now. Lyles played 14 minutes for two points. He wasn't a 12-team league guy anyway, even with Favors out. Shelvin Mack continues to be the guy getting the run and the value with Hill out. 29 minutes for Shelvin, 15, 5, and 5 with three triples. While Dante Exum had eight points in his 17 minutes of playing time. And Joe Ingles, man, another three three-pointers, did not miss. 11 points, four rebounds, three assists. A really great 14 to 16 team league guy who on nights when, if he gets an extra opportunity, is worth looking at. Rod Hood returned at 25 points in five triples in 31 minutes. He's been dropped. If he has, go and go and grab him. The last game of the night, it was the Boston Celtics and the San Antonio Spurs. Avery Bradley with a huge night, 25-10-6 with three steals and three triples. Ridiculous efficiency from Brattles, while Marcus Smart, 11-2-6 with three steals in 37 minutes. Pretty much exactly what you'd expect from, uh, from Marcus Smart. Jay Crowder had a full line as well. Or Terry Rozier, while Isaiah Thomas remains out, and it probably won't be for any more games, Thomas is likely back on Friday. Crowder, uh, Rozier's been good. 12 points, two triples, three rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block, which can have use even in, uh, say, deeper 12-team leagues. You could use Rozier, but you're probably not going to be able to use him anymore. Al Horford, 13, 5 and 5, was a 5 and 4, sorry, a little bit of a disappointing night, whereas the, the other big man position, as you expect, 19 minutes for Kelly Olynyk, 15 minutes for Jonas Shirepko, 17 minutes for Amir Johnson, and 12 minutes for Tyler Zeller, rendering all of them, rendering all of all, I can't speak, rendering all of them impotent. It was worth it to get that out, wasn't it? Let's talk Spurs. Kawhi, 26, 3 and 6, two steals and a block, super efficient. Now, Lamarcus Aldridge was out of this game. They didn't miss a beat. Maybe because Aldridge isn't that good. We'll see. Pau Gasol was huge, though. It was a great matchup against the front court of Boston for him. 35 minutes for Pau, 17, 13, and 6. Two steals, one block, one triple. Great efficiency. A lot of his early season concerns uh, have, have been limited. And Dwayne Dedman continues to look awesome to me. 16 minutes for Dedman, 10 and 5 with a steal. I'd love them to give him more minutes, and if he did, he would be an absolute must-own guy. It's just unlikely that's going to happen. Hate that they started David Lee. They should have started Dedman, but... What do I know? 8 and 10 for Lee in 30 minutes with 3 assists and a steal. I suppose Lee's got more shooting range and that sort of mimics what Aldridge can do, but Pau Gasol can play that 
can play that uh, role. The only problem is when you get to defense and power has to go and guard fours that it could be a disaster. Tone Parker, 16-2-7, a really good night from Tone, while Paddy Mills had 10 points. Parker's on and off like this, really tough to own him in 12-team leagues, but more of a 14-team a league guy. And sad to say, Danny Green is just invisible these days. Five points, one assist, that's it for him. No real point owning him in 12-team leagues. Yeah, he's got the upside to be better, but it's it's just not happening for him at the moment. So that's uh, you could probably use that position to better use. All right. That is it for the action from Wednesday. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to preview the five-game DFS slate for Thursday. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. No idea what just happened to the music there, but here we are. We're back. Um, we're going to talk DFS, just completely cut off. We're going to talk DFS here. Um, the perfect lineups on Fangio, Johnny Wall, 53.2, Austin Rivers, 33.8, Jimmy Harden, 46.2, Avery Bradley, 49, Bob Cove, 40.4, Aaron Gordon, 41.4, Power Forwards, Trevor Booker, 31.6, Anthony Tolliver, 31, Hassan Whiteside, 53.4, for a total of 380, much lower than I anticipated it being. On DraftKings, Johnny Wall, 59, Avery Bradley, 54, Nick Batum, 44.25, Aaron Gordon, 45.25, Whiteside, 57.5, Rivers, 38, Bob Cove, 45.5, and, and Pau Gasol at 50.25. Let's start talking about these games now and trying to get some uh, some DFS value out of uh, a slate, which hopefully won't be as crazy as what we saw today. The first one is the Indiana Pacers and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans are favored by three and a half, and the total is 211. Tyreek Evans has been upgraded from out to questionable, but Tim Frazier has been listed as doubtful with a wrist sprain. We won't be using Tyreek, obviously, in his first game back, but the fact that we're not going to have Tim Frazier means, or likely not going to have Tim Frazier means we're not going to use him. And Rod Stuckey is questionable with that hamstring that caused him to uh, to leave today's game early. Let's talk point guards. Drew is at 7,100. Um, I like him in this matchup. The the matchup is good. There's not as many great options with, uh, with such a short slate. So I do like Drew at 7,100. Jeffy Teague at 7,000. I would much. I'd rather take Drew at that at that price. With Paul George around, Teague's usage and production has dropped significantly. He's averaging under thirty over the last five, and his salary somehow gone up by two hundred bucks. So Teague is a fade to me. Let's talk shooting guards. Langston Galloway has been playing really well, averaging twenty three over his last five at forty one hundred. He's worth a look in a, in a punt situation to see if they keep going to him, see seeing if they keep giving him. Um, yeah, the the minutes, I guess, and, and the shot attempts because he's he's clearly putting them up. And with Frazier out and Evans maybe not playing, then there's more of an opportunity there for Langston. Eats one more at 39. He's unlikely to really put up any numbers that they're going to make it useful. Uh, Rod Stuckey, we don't know if he's playing. And Bud Heald, yes, he's starting. But at 3,600, it's still not cheap enough for me to really care about what Bud Heald's doing. He's just not producing anything. Small forwards, Paulie George at 8,300. He's decent. I think there are better small forwards on the board than him at that price, but you can obviously go that direction. He he just hasn't quite been the the, the same guy, I guess, at, at this point that we would have hoped for. Solomon Hill, Glenn Robinson the third. No, I don't hate CJ Miles, but I hate that he's priced at 4,600, so that's not an ideal price tag for me to use him, considering he's averaging just 15 over the last five games, but he does have some tournament upside if Stucky happens to miss. I don't hate Thad Young here. Now, I don't love him in general, but at 4,900 against the Pelicans team that allows big numbers from power forwards, that cheap salary makes Young an appealing play. Terrence Jones, on the other hand, at 4,500, he's been solid, and he's probably been giving you around that $4,500 worth of value recently, but is it enough Is it enough to to use him? I, 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 don't, I don't. Look, the matchup's good. Um, I would look at it in a tournament because he does have, say, 40-point upside, but it's it's not a great situation, especially with that front court 
in flux and we don't exactly know how that's going to how that's going to run. As for Tony Davis, he's at twelve thousand. That's pretty expensive. There aren't as many cheap bargain-ish or bargain-appearing type options on this slate. So twelve thousand might just be pushing it a little bit for for him. Can you can you look at him at this price? You, you can, but it's I think it's going to be harder to which is it's going to be harder to use him with just so few, especially in cash, um, so few cheaper options that are actually looking any good. So that that might be tough. At center, Miles Turner, I think, is good at 6,200. He's going to give you 30 points basically most nights. Uh, Alexia Jinsa, Al Jefferson, Omar Ashik. I don't think we need to really pay too much attention to those guys. Let's talk uh, Chicago and Milwaukee is the next game up. The Bucks are favored by two and a half, and the total is 209.5 points. Rajon Rondo is listed as questionable with his ankle. We've got Dwayne Wade, who's got who's probable. We we assume that Wade plays, but this is a this is a back to back for the Bulls. And on the uh, Bucks side of things, Yanni is probable with an ankle injury, and Mick Beasley is doubtful with a mid foot sprain. Let's talk point guards. Rondo at 6,000. The Bucks are really good defensively against point guards, so he is not someone that I'm going to be all that uh, interested in, even if he does play. Even if he does play, and if he is out, you know, Jaron Grant will probably start, but he has been brutal apart from that one game against Portland, so he's going to be not someone that I would consider using. Matthew Dellavedova on the other side, 4,100. Yeah, look again. This is another one of these cheap guys that maybe you can look at, but nothing is pointing to Dally and saying this is going to be a great option. Whereas Brogdon, I, I like him. I just don't like him enough for DFS, even though he is priced at 3,600. Yanni at 9,900. I assume he's going to play, and that makes him one of the better options. And if I'm spending up, I would rather take the 10,000 on Yanni than take the 12,000 on Anthony Davis. Dwayne Wade at 7,300, if he plays, I think he's in a pretty good spot as well. He's almost been guaranteeing you 35 points every night that he's, uh, that he's gone out there. So he is, he's definitely worth, worth consideration if we hear, if we are hearing that he plays. At small forward, Butler at 9,000 is fine. Another one of those guys. I think in cash, you, you want to have him in a lineup and in definitely in a tournament because he can go for 50 plus. While with Beasley out, we could get some numbers from Mirza Toledovic, who should get a lot of a lot of Beasley's run. He did have a game where he had 31 points recently and at 3,600 with hopefully an extra ability for him to play. We don't really know because it is Jason Kidd, but he should get some extra run and that makes Mirza interesting. You could also punt, I guess, on Tone Snell at 3,600. It's not appealing. His upside is not that high, but he did, he's coming off a 20-point game, uh, 20 Fangio points, that is. It's just he's, he's just so not good that his upside is so low. At power forward, I like Jabari at 6,300. You go well against a Bulls front court. He's coming off a couple of days rest. He is averaging 31 over the last five. I think Jabari is, is definitely in play here. Well, Taj Gibson at 5,300 is definitely slumping, so I'm not interested in using him. Nick Miritich, look, with Doug McDermott coming back, it limits what he can do, even if someone happens to be out. But say Wade is out, I would maybe consider looking at uh, looking at Nick Miritich. Let's talk centers. This is where I think the value is. We've got Robin Lopez at 5,100. We know against the Bucks, you can put up big numbers as a center, so Robin Lopez is good. Johnny Henson at 4,600. You can normally do well against the Bulls, but Henson has been struggling, averaging under 20 points in the last five games. So... He's a little riskier. I would rather spend the 500 extra and take Lopez, but Henson's uh, ceiling is probably a little bit higher. You could also take Greggy Munro at 48, but I would rather go 200 less and take Henson in this situation. Let's talk Portland-Denver. I think we should be anticipating some changes to the Denver starting lineup, and that should mean Nikola Jokic starting. The Nuggets are favored by 1.5, and, and the total here is 220.5. Gary Harris is upgraded to questionable, so he might be back. Wilson Chandler is listed as probable with a hip problem, which has clearly been limiting him. And for the Blazers, El Farouk Aminu is doubtful after missing the last game. With that back contusion, let's talk point guards. Dame Lillard, I don't normally like Dame Lillard, but in a matchup as easy as the Denver Denver backcourt, 9,500, I'm, I'm okay with Lillard in, in cash and in tournaments. I think this is a real opportunity for him to put up a big one, especially after... A couple of games where he hasn't quite been at that level. This is a big opportunity for Lillard to put up a big performance. Jamal Murray had 29 in the last game. Let's see if this lineup change results in him getting more playing time. And if it's him and Jokic, he's going to put up big numbers. 3,900 for Murray makes him a tournament play, but a, a tough guy to look at in cash. 
Manny Moutier had a nice game, probably one of his better games in the last one, but it translated to just 24 fan jewel points, and at 4,900, that's not quite there. So I'm not overly interested in him. He's a a punt tournament guy, really. That's that's about it. And Jameer Nelson appears to be slowly falling out of favor. CJ McCollum at 7,400. Great matchup for him as well. I like him being able to get 35 points against this Nuggets defense. While Farton Will Barton at 5,200, he is averaging under 19 points in the last three games. The potential return of Gaz Harris, the potential crapness of Will Barton means that he is not someone I will be interested in. I won't be using Gaz in his return. I won't be using Alan Crabb over on the Portland side either. For the small forwards, Moe Harkless turned in a big one. He's at sub 5,000, 4,900. I think he is absolutely A-OK to go and use, whereas Wilson Chandler is also struggling. He's at 5,900. I'm not interested in Wilson, but I I like the Rooster at 5,700. It is a little bit high, but if you're looking for a mid-priced tournament small forward in a matchup that's relatively positive, I think Gallinari could be someone that you could uh, take a look at. Evan Turner is also not someone to completely shy away from with El Farouk Aminu out. 4,700 for Turner, and he's been putting up some decent numbers recently, so you can absolutely take a look at him. The power forwards is where it's at, though. Nick Jokic, 6,000. He's averaging 37 across the last five. Hopefully, he sees more minutes, because Malone's quote today was, I have to get him more minutes, a day after saying I played him too too many minutes. But we could be looking at a 30-minuter from Jokic here and a 40-point performance. Love him. He's going to be in a lot of lineups, so of course, that will flop everything. Myers Leonard turned in 17 in the last game with Aminu out. Now, whether he gets the minutes, whether Ed Davis gets the minutes, who knows? But Leonard does have that ability to hit some threes and get hot, making him not a terrible tournament guy. Darrell Arthur is probable with his knee issue. He starts. He's a minimum salary. That all should say, yeah, maybe. But in general, I'll say, yeah, nah. At center, Mason Plumley has been killing it. He's up to 6,200, so it's making him a little bit tough to use, but not completely, especially on some other sites where his salary is still a little bit lower. I, uh, it's not, not a tough matchup for him. Whereas Yusuf Nurkic at 4,400, I think that you're going to see his usage, minutes, roll all reduced in this game. So I don't think I'm going to be too keen on using Nurkic. Nurkic? Nurkic. You know who he is. The San Antonio Spurs and the Phoenix Suns. No spread at this point for this one. Now, this is a back-to-back for San Antonio. I don't think we see Manu, and I think Tony Parker is probably going to be out, while LaMarcus Aldridge will likely be back. We may also not see Pau Gasol. We don't exactly know what they're going to do, but I would think that Parker, Ginobili, and maybe Gasol are guys that will, will sit this game out. So there's a lot that can change, especially considering they're on the road and they're in Phoenix. So interesting things a foot for the Spurs. The Suns have also got their concerns. Brandon Knight is questionable with a sprained hand. TJ Warren is back, is questionable again. And Alex Len is questionable after missing the last game with a hip contusion. So some definite situations that you can check on Basketball Monster with our scenarios to see how this all plays out. At point guard, Paddy Mills would be the guy that I'm looking at. Assuming that uh, that Tone Parker is out, obviously at 4,400 Mills will be the the guy to look at there. And Eric Bledsoe at 8,300 has been killing it. He's averaging over 51 in the last three games. Um, the Spurs yeah, mark somewhat of a challenge, but without too many great options going around, you could definitely look at Eric Bledsoe again here. Shooting guard Devin Booker at 56. I just gonna, I'm, I'm going to hate. Look, he's been poor, and the the Spurs defense on him is not an encouraging sign. So I think he's a fade. If you were, anyone was going to use him anyway, Danny Green at minimum salary. Forget about it. Brandon Knight plays or not, forget about it. Leandro Barbosa gets a bump if Warren and or Knight happens to be out. So at 3,700, Barbosa could be a guy to fill out your lineup. He is averaging 21 over the last three, including an 11-point stinker in the last one. But if those minutes open up with Knight and Warren out, they're going to have to give Barbosa some run, so then he would become intriguing in that situation. Small forwards, Kawhi, 8,300. Could be a blowout. It's a back-to-back. Maybe he gets limited. So that's somewhat of a concern with using Kawhi. Otherwise, he's going to be great. But there is that slight concern there with uh, with Popovich. And we won't use TJ Warren, I don't think, in his first game back, especially when he's priced at 5500 PJ Tucker gets a bump, obviously, if Warren is out. And at 4500 he had 29 points in the last game. But the problem is that he's going to be battling Kawhi Leonard. So that means that even in the extra minutes that he gets, he's not going to be appealing. LaMarcus Aldridge at 63. I'd like him to be a little bit cheaper before I decide to go back to that well. It's a great matchup, but he's just providing pretty much nothing at this point. 
Marquise Chris was great in the last game, but how much stock do we put in that? You can absolutely look at it in a tournament. But again, the matchup is horrific. He'll be drawing fouls like there's nobody's business. Alex Len, I don't think I'm going to use Alex Len, but if Alex Len is out, that's where the bigger the bigger question comes, well, the bigger opportunity comes because Tyson Chandler at 5,600 would definitely be someone to look at. Now, Chandler's price is, is elevated, but I don't think that... Um, I don't think it's a great. Uh, I don't think it's a great play unless Len is out. And if Len's out, then it becomes solid without being must play. Paul Gasol at six thousand was obviously great today, but yeah, look, he is at risk of resting uh, or if not resting, limiting minutes. So probably somewhat of a fade there for Pau as well. Let's look at the next game, and that is. New York, what's the last game? New York and Golden State. The Warriors are favored by 14. So there's huge blowout potential here. The total is 224.5. Zaza Pachulia is doubtful with his wrist. And Derek Rose is questionable, but I'd lean more towards doubtful for Derek Rose. That's going to put Brandon Jennings in play, who is at 4,800. So it's a decent salary. It doesn't necessarily make him an absolute must play, to be honest. If he was at 4,000, then yes. But 4,800 is not a must play situation. Um, if Rose plays, I don't think I'd want to use Rose at 6,300. I think we'd fade him. Um, Steph is risky given the blowout nature and the fact that the Knicks have defended point guards pretty well. So I don't think we really want to touch much of the point guard situation here unless we have Rose out and then Jennings is, is worth a look. Shooting guard, Clay Thompson, 6,500. Who knows what Clay we're getting. Tournament, yeah, really tough to rely upon him in cash though at the moment. Whereas Courtney Lee at 4,100 has been all right. I just hate the matchup for him here. Ian Clark, Justin Holiday, Pat McCaw. I'd look at Holiday if Rose happens to be out maybe at 3,600 in a tournament. He would enter my pool of players, but not too exciting. Mallow at 7,700 has been struggling. Does he get back on track in this one? At 7,700, I don't think I want to put my money on it. Um... But there is, there's obviously a chance that he goes for 35-plus. Andre Iguodala at 39, very low upside play, I, I think. Kevin Durant at 9,700 hasn't been really hitting that value at all recently. The blowout nature is a little bit scary here for Durant, but he's not a terrible play at 9,700 against a Knicks team that does allow small forwards to have some, some value in general. Power forwards, Draymond at 8,100. I like Draymond. I think he'll still put up numbers regardless of the state of the game, and he should be able to at least come close to 37 or 40 points around that zone. Um, Dave West, no. Of course, he's the guy we want to look at, but he's up to 8,300 on FanDuel now, which makes it tough. Averaging 47 across the last three, it's not... It's not an ideal situation at that extra price. I like him much better on some other sites rather than Fangio, but it is hard to fade him with the way that he's playing. But that price is is making it challenging. At center, JaVale, he might get another start. JaVale McGee, he had 15 points in the last game. He's at 3,500. I really, it, it's tough to use him. On the other side, Kylo Quinn is the one we want to look at. 5,100 for O'Quinn, averaging 32 points over the last three. Will he start? It doesn't really matter as long as he plays more minutes than Noah, and that has been the trend uh, over the last few games. So I like Kylo Quinn at 5,100. Noah at 44, that's uh, too highly priced for a guy who is fairly terrible these days. All right, let's take a look now at the picks of the day. We'll start off with FanDuel. Jamal Murray at 3,900 as a tournament guy. Drew Holiday, 71. And Dame Lillard at 95. For the shooting guards, Langston Galloway for a tournament at 4,100. CJ McCollum at 74. And Yanni at 9,900. Small forwards, Mo Harkless, 49. The Rooster at 57. And Jim Butler at 9,000. Power forwards, Thad Young, 49. Jokic at 6,000. And Draymond at 8,100. And the centers, Johnny Henson, 46. And Robin Lopez, 51. On DraftKings, we've got Paddy Mills at 45, Drew Holiday at 67, and Yanni at 9,500. Shooting guards, Dally's at 37 as a tournament guy only, CJ McCollum at 69, and Butler at 9,000. Small forwards, Andre Iguodala, 35, Jabari Parker, 63, and Kevin Durant, 92. Power forwards, Thad Young, 48, Aldridge, 61, and Paul George, 81. And the centers, Rob Lopez, 46, Miles Turner, 6,000, and Anthony Davis at a much more palatable 11,500. For the Aussies on Moneyball, Paddy Mills, 43, Drew Holiday, 63, and Dame Lillard, 87. Shooting guards, Langston Galloway, 36, Wade at 66, 
Small forwards, the Rooster at 4,900, Paul George, 79, and Yanni, 10,000. Power forwards, Johnny Henson, 41, Nick Jokic, 57, and Anthony Davis, 11,400. And the centers, Kylo Quinn, 4,000, and Miles Turner, 6,000. On draft stars, Len Galloway, 6,450, Jeff Teague, 11,8, and Dame Lillard, 17,2. Shooting guards, Tone Snell, 58, Dwayne Wade, 11,450, and Jim Butler, 15.050. Small forwards, Glenn Robinson III as a punt at 5,000. Not confident on that, but if Stucky's out, maybe a bit more interesting. Mo Harkless, 8.350, and Yarni at 19.550. Power forwards, Kylo Quinn, 6.550, Nick Jokic, 9.750, and Kev Durant, 17.9. And the centers, Myers Leonard, 6.050, Mason Plumley 9.550, and Kristaps Porzingis, 15,000 on the nose. We're done for today's podcast, guys. Check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network and subscribe to this one on iTunes or YouTube and give us a five-star review if you're so inclined. We're done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Michael Malone.